This is Jing Jing. Hi, everyone. This is Yajin. Welcome to the latest episode of Woman Podcast. Today we have Dominic Phone with us. Thank you for joining us, Dominic. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> yeah, Dominic is、um, Chinese American who has been living in Beijing for two years and works for the Wall Street Journal and writing about real estate, property market in China and all of this. But the reason that we have Dominic with Us today is not about her work; it's <laughs> about her family, because we heard a lot of interesting things about Dominic.、Uh, has very interesting background from both mom and dad side,、uh, who are immigrants to the U.S. And recently, Dominic just went back to her father's her- parents' hometown. Grand- <laughs> yeah,、um, yeah. Where, where is、um, Grandpa's hometown? Is Okay, so yeah, my grandpa's hometown is very far away from any <laughs> city. The biggest city is Kaiping, which is about two hours south of Guangzhou, and it's the village itself is called Zhangtun, and I it's definitely a big journey to be able to get there. We、mm, never have been、mm-hmm. able to find it myself. It's basically. Like at the end of a road that leads off of a main road, <laughs> and、I、the、see. road that leads. Like to the end of nowhere, basically is winding. It's going through all these marshes, and there's all these old homes kind of stacked on either side of the road.、Um, but you can tell that you know maybe a long time ago they grew rice there or something. So it's definitely in a、wow. very remote kind of place of Guangdong. Okay. Did you go with any relatives, or you, you went there by yourself? Yeah, the project I came up with on my own. So what I had to do was contact my mom and relatives in the U.S. for help, and they connected me to some in-laws.、Um, so which is my grandpa's wife's side of the family,、um, and they still live in Kaiping. So they could. They were very welcoming and invited me to stay with、mm. them over Chinese New Year. Wow! And、uh, they were willing to take me to the village for the first for my first time. I see.、Great. Okay, sorry. I think I should go back a little bit. Ask you the about the project. <laughs> yeah. Why did you go there? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Actually, most of my life, I I wasn't very aware of my that that my grandpa had come from this part of China.、Mm. Um, I wasn't in the top of my mind at all. It wasn't until. You know, my profession brought me to China. That became a lot more clear to me that I should figure out kind of where I came from,、um, and so I started by transcribing interviews that my、uh, parents had done with my grandpa, and、mm. also my cousin had done with my grandpa. And he's my only grandparent left, surviving grandparent. So I thought this was kind of my last chance to be able to understand from a from a. You know, from the actual source, what his life was like、mm-hmm. in China, and、mm-hmm. I also just wanted to know because growing up as an American, every most people are immigrants, so knowing your origin story is well a complicated thing. I don't、mm-hmm. think it's very straightforward, and I needed to find out for myself why I felt complicated about my own identity, and so I felt like I should start by visiting the physical <laughs> place of where my grandfather was born. 
I see. Okay. So I'm interested to find out, like, yeah. what was the thinking behind your parents and your cousin right. wanted to do interview with your with your grandparent because there's actually not like a, a common thing I, I I would say to interview your own parent about and what they his... found out. Yeah, actually, my family never really talked about their time in China because my yeah, grandpa has、it. eight siblings、mm. and they all live in the U.S. But when I was growing up, they never talked about their stories, at least not to me, you know, about their childhood in the U.S. Maybe because I'm two generations later, maybe they、mm. just didn't think it was worth. Maybe she wasn't <laughs> generation. Yeah,、gap. maybe she's like, maybe、right. she won't understand. But yeah, my parents started to do it for the same reason that I was interested, because they knew that he was getting old, and they just wanted to capture his stories、mm. um, before he passed away.、Um, like, but he's still alive and. <laughs> Alive and kicking、um, <laughs> in Sacramento. <laughs>、cool. Yeah, and my cousin too. And also in the U.S., like as part of our school projects when we're young, sometimes we do these things where it's family project,、oh, family history project. But this had nothing to do with that. I'm just saying, like sometimes in American, at least where I grew up, it was very common for、right. people since everyone is an immigrant or children of like immigrants、um, to like ask about. Your family history. So for me, it wasn't weird, but maybe for my grandpa, it was kind of weird. Like, why are they asking me questions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he was、yeah. very willing to to、yeah. share his experience. Yeah, he was quite willing.、Um, I think after after he warmed up, he actually became quite happy. I think that someone cared enough, you know, to ask him about、mm. what his life was like and how、mm. he came to the U.S. and all of that. And for his 80th birthday, he also wrote a little autobiography.、Oh. It was really funny. It was one page long, <laughs> and in all caps. I don't know. He、okay. couldn't type it like. <laughs> and there was all kinds of typos in English, but it's okay. Yeah,、oh, I still have it somewhere. I think. Oh, that's、yeah. so cool. That's so cute. But I、yeah. knew we all knew that there was more to the story than one page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Tell us a little bit about your your grandpa's. Background and experience、mm-hmm. sounds really fascinating. Yeah, he was born not to a poor family, quite a well-off family actually at that time in Guangdong. Well, when he was growing up as a teenager, he his father was a colonel in the Nationalist Army, and so they had you know quite a bit of savings and a bit of status like、mm. in the local community.、Mm. Um, but yes, eventually my grandpa always wanted. I think they always had dreams of going abroad to the、mm. U.S. and finding a better life. And I think at that time,、um, since California had the name of Gumsan or like gold, like mountain, <laughs> there's kind of that reputation. So、right. he kind of, for him, that represented like the promise of like a better future, as、right. America did for a lot of people at that time、mm-hmm. after World War Two, around、mm-hmm. World War Two,、mm-hmm. and America at that time was a very prosperous, growing、right. kind of yeah, America. Yeah. So I think. It, People idealized it in different、mm, ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then my grandpa, yeah,、uh, from a young age when he was twenty, decided <laughs> that he wanted to move、mm. to the U.S. You mentioned that you know back in the day it must be a long journey. You know you abandon everything back home and、yeah. just decide to go to a totally strange land that you know nothing about. That、yeah. requires a lot of courage. Absolutely. And how did your grandpa find it? When he first moved to the U.S., I imagine he couldn't speak much of English or any of the English. And so, how did he find a way to support himself? So he said that he bought a ticket on a cruise ship, a one-way ticket,、oh, wow. <laughs> from Hong Kong that stopped in Japan and then 
uh, Hawaii and then San Francisco. And he had a range. So they had some family friends who were already in the U.S. And so they knew all the tricks on how to like, uh, move oh, to the U.S. Oh, I see. So, tricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which meant illegally moving to the U.S. for the first time. Um, right. He had bought papers pretended to be someone else's son and had these fake documents. So when he arrived and got off the ship, he got held um, for almost a week in San Francisco in like a detention department. But, you know, they did that for like all the new immigrants. Right. Um, And so he got held up and then finally they like let him out and there was his quote unquote father (laughs) (laughs) waiting for him like outside to pick him up. So then what happened, though, was that he owed this family money, basically, for taking him in and taking him uh, on the risk. Right. So he had to end up paying off that debt over time in the U.S. May I ask how much? Yeah. Yeah, was <laughs> it it was the equivalent of 2000 U.S. dollars at, at that time. time. At that, oh, that wow. Time. Uh, yeah. A lot of money. A lot yeah, of money. that's a lot. Yeah. Wow. So he began his career by working in restaurants mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to try and pay off that debt. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned that later he uh, opened his own restaurant. He kind of made it, right? <laughs> so how how long is that period when he tried to you know work really hard to make his own living? He said that it was really tough to first make it in San Francisco area. Mm. So what happened was he had a friend named Jimmy, quote unquote, <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Chan, <laughs> Jimmy Chan, <laughs> Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what his Chinese name was. So yeah, his friend Jimmy in New York City was like, you need to come to New York. This is where the money's made. This is where you can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So he ended up taking a train <laughs> across the U.S. Wow. to uh, New York. And that's how he started making real money, was waiting tables, right. working kitchens in New mm-hmm. York. Was it quite tough at the time? Did he ever tell you about his, his struggles or...? yeah. There were a couple of things that stuck out to me when he told me about his story or when I was listening to the transcript. Well, one is like the kindness of certain strangers mm. in the U.S. He didn't expect that. He basically only had five bucks in his pocket when he got on after he bought the ticket for that train for the mm-hmm. train ride. So he didn't have much money left to buy food to eat. Mm. And on the train, it's not that cheap. So then for sometimes he just didn't really eat at all. Mm-hmm. And then. Actually, there was a white lady sitting, an old white lady sitting not too far from him, and she offered to buy him food. And he never knew her name or anything, but he basically was re- felt really touched that some mm-hmm. stranger would care enough to like notice that he didn't have any food. So then she mm-hmm. bought him some food, and she got Aww. off like uh, maybe a couple stops later, and then he never saw her again. But he always remembered that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he also, when he got to New York got to see another side of America. <laughs> Which is... Which is after <laughs> his friend Jimmy was supposed to pick him up at the train station. Jimmy. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy overslept. So oh, he yeah. taking a nap. He didn't come pick him up. So oh, then okay. my grandpa had to take a taxi by himself. And then the taxi driver, uh, he racked up, you know, the meter, and taxi meter, and when he got to Jimmy's apartment, um, the taxi driver tried to rip him oh, off no. and, like, tell him it's, like, way more money than it was. I think it was, like, the trip was, like, 40 bucks, and then Jimmy came down, and he's like, no, 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 it doesn't cost that much at all. And, like, mm. so he's kind of laughed. They laughed about it because it was like, you're such a newbie to right. you You got yeah, almost yeah. ripped yeah. off by a taxi driver in New York. It happens so that's kind of what all of us. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of a normal thing in a big city. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My grandpa couldn't really speak English, <laughs> not much English at that time. Right. Yeah. So yeah. then I think it was hard at first because he 
you know, didn't really speak English, but the way he learned was um, basically other Chinese immigrants understood his situation. And they, one of the, a family friend who had a restaurant at that Mm -hmm. time, um, I think on Long Island. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, basically asked, invited, hired my grandpa to Mm. wait tables. So he was forced to speak English um, while he was taking people's orders and things like that. But he was like living in an apartment with multiple guys and like he was kind of cramped. But like he didn't really. So he he said it was a really fun time, but it was Mm. definitely like, Mm. I don't know, maybe that's the experience isn't that different from nowadays <laughs> as a young person in New York. Yeah, 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 yeah to yeah, share yeah. a room with share other room. people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because it's yeah. really busy. So it, how was the Chinese society were like um, at the time? It sounded like, you know, your grandpa got help from friend Jimmy, who is Chinese, and then mm-hmm. a family friend who owns a restaurant that hired him. And then he lived in, you know, you know, a place with a bunch of people. So how did he talk about how is the Chinese support network is like? He didn't. Uh, I haven't asked him that question, but my sense from yeah all the friendships that I just described, it seems like the Chinese the Chinese community was quite tight mm. back then, mm. and they were looking out for each other. Like basically, because in order for my grandpa to buy the train ticket, he didn't have any money. So then Jimmy had sent him a hundred bucks. Oh, wow. I was like, you come to New York. Oh, so you come. The, the good, 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 good Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you come to New York, I'll buy your, t- yeah, I'll buy your ticket and then you can oh. pay me back later kind of thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, so I nice. think they were looking, yeah, they were very much looking out for each other. I think they all understood, like, yeah, it can be quite scary to mm-hmm, show up to mm-hmm. a place. And at that time, there's no internet. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to find information or use a map? You know, like, mm-hmm, you just got to use your street smarts, I think, a lot more. And also your personal f- friendships and mm-hmm. to help you. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know in, in the U.S., but when I was in France, I stayed in a city in the South, and there was a very tight Chinese community, and they have a generation over there. Mm-hmm. And they, they said the same thing. It's like, you know, but particularly people coming from the South of China, when they move to a new country, and that person become like the base, mm-hmm. and gradually more and more people coming over will come to this person, and he start to introduce jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. opportunities for, for other newcomers. Mm-hmm. And then they gradually build this community and to support each other. I, I guess mm-hmm. that's the same thing in the U.S. Yeah, definitely for my grandpa. He stayed connected with, I guess, the Romanized version of his last name would be Y-E-E, the mm. Yi Association, which is, mm. there's quite a number, quite a few chapters in the U.S. And oh. so he stayed involved with, like, extended, slightly, you know, distant relatives in the U.S., right. um, for a long time like he was involved in the sacramento chapter and yeah kept in touch with all his buddies we call them cronies because they all gamble together and stuff or they used to <laughs> smoke together and gamble together yeah i don't think my grandpa could have made it really in the u.s without the help of his friend jimmy at least he made it seem like that yeah because mm. they eventually opened a restaurant together in oh new- in, okay wait and then not in new york somewhere in the area i kind of forgot this moment but near around on the east coast they opened a restaurant together great well I wanted to talk to a little bit about yourself and then uh, how you see your own identity because we were just chatting before we did the recording that you actually um, uh, come from a multicultural family. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about, you know, from your mom's side and your dad's side and then how you find your own identity in this multicultural uh, family. 
Yeah, it's fun to tell people about my family <laughs> <laughs> because it's quite international. Um, my mom was born in Hong Kong, um, but she moved to France when she was eight years mm. old. And so she considers herself French. Her <laughs> heart is French. And my mom, my dad likes to joke, I married a French girl. It's <laughs> uh, beautiful, actually. Yeah. So I don't know. I think my mom's side of the family immigrated from away from China a long time ago since mm. my great grandfather on my mom's side. So my her dad's uh, father um, ran a big business in Vietnam. They're ethnically Chinese, but they had they ran a business and lived oh, in wow. Vietnam in Saigon. So my grandpa was born in Saigon and the business that my great grandfather run ran was I think they were selling like rice and cigarettes. Mm. So made a lot of money in that and they had commodity a, yeah. and luxury product. That's the really <laughs> cute way to go That's during the time. <laughs> exactly. They had a big, you know, property at that time in Vietnam and we were quite well off. Right. Um, when was that? And say let's see, must be the thirties. Like when they right. were born. When, yeah. Must be yeah, the late twenties or early thirties. Right. When my got my grandpa grandpa was born. Okay. I can't remember at this mm. time. But yeah, that was a time when Vietnam was still colonized mm. by France. Mm. So during the Indochina Wars, my great grandfather, and I'm still not quite clear on this because I feel like it's another story for me to explore, but mm. he had done something to protect a French commander. Mm-hmm. And so he was awarded the Legion of Honor. Um, and so then they wow. had, it became, I think, a connection for them to, a, a, an official connection for them to France. Mm. And so that was, to me, it seemed like a safety net. For mm. some, for in the, they they didn't pr- couldn't predict this, but in the future it became kind of a safety net that they mm. had a way out of Hong Kong or out of you know didn't have to return to China or to Hong Kong. They mm. had they could immigrate immigrate a little more easily. Yeah, and then on my dad's side, after my grandpa had moved to the U.S., um, yeah, my grandpa decided to stay in the U.S., so he has been there since his twenties. Um, he's come back to China to visit a couple of times, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very much felt like he wanted to live the American life and kind of left China completely behind. And I think that factored into my own identity a lot because I didn't really talk about China, mm. actually. Um, so then, yeah, so then my dad was born in L.A. <laughs> and mm. then grew up in Sacramento. And he mm. met my mom in the Bay Area because after my mom um, did one year of college in Paris, she, he said she said that her boyfriend at that time looked like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and uh, he broke her heart, so she Aww. was very sad. And so during the summer break, my grandpa sent her to live with her sister, who was already in California, right. my aunt. And so then my mom went to California and decided, oh, maybe to move I'll just... away from the sadness. Yeah. <laughs> It's so French, like so dramatic. So, I know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> so romantic in I a know. way. <laughs> and then she met my dad. Um, they they were, went to the same college, so they met mm. there. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 So how, how do you feel like to see who you are in the family where you have Cantonese slash Chinese culture and, and then French? And then I don't know if your mom's like have any memory about the Vietnamese side of the culture. So then also you were, you know, American, right? So like, so how does that affect you as a person and to your identity? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like a lot could be said, um, like represented in my name which is Dominique Sam Yifong. <laughs> my n- middle name is actually my Chinese name, but Cantonese Romanized. Right. Um, 
And so Dominique, because my mom wanted to name all her kids French names, <laughs> and she picked like a super French name for her first child. So a lot, you, the, I, you the first child, mm-hmm. right? right. Yeah. So for a long time, everyone always never knew how to like pronounce my name in school. Oh like, really? Yeah. Oh my god. Because it's Dominique, but like Dominique, people yeah. say, is it Dominic? Like, oh no. <laughs> oh, right. And then my Chinese name. A lot of people ask me, oh, how did you give yourself your Chinese name? Mm-hmm. Actually, no. My my grandpa gave me it because um, they did. My parents did want our grandparents to have the honor, I guess, of giving right. their grandchildren their yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. So then my grandpa, who was actually very on my mom's side, um, my grandpa was very good at writing in Chinese, mm-hmm. which I wish I could find like his old stuff. Because apparently he won over my grandma, who they were in China at that time, um, right. <laughs> by writing to her. He wrote love uh, letters to her in oh Chinese. Oh, yeah, right. Yes. Oh, that's that's how people communicate then, huh? Right? Yeah. yeah. Not like texting. Not like texting. That, that letter must be trouble for months. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. So, I imagine that. Yeah. So, so um, what's your Chinese name? In Cantonese, it's yu sam yi, and sam yi comes from sam kong san yi, which is like to be carefree in life and to okay. be to have an untroubled heart. So okay. then he took um, sam and yi, and just took like a different sam, like a homonym for sam, okay. and then just like put them together. So it's the first and the last character of a Chinese idiom. Mm-hmm. And so then my last name kind of represents a lot of my own history because it's not my real last name. Fong is not my real last name. It's you. It's, yeah, it's you the, is the family name right. in Chinese. Yeah, re- repeat our audience again why you have the name of a Fong. Oh yeah, Fong. It's because my grandpa had bought <laughs> fake papers to pretend to be someone else's name, and this was quite popular. There were a lot of other immigrants like that at that time, and they're called paper sons. Because uh, on paper they were someone else's son. <laughs> paper right, sons. Right. So yeah. you you have to continue using this name. For, and <laughs> Fong, can can yeah. you change it? Or? I guess I could have changed it legally mm. in the U.S., which would be a really annoying, a lot of hassle. Mm. But because I have to change all my official right, information, right, right, right. social security, right, bank, right, and all right. that. That's yeah. possible. But I think my dad just never did it. Neither yeah. did my grandpa. We just kept it. And it's funny because <laughs> Fong is actually a Chinese surname, but yeah, yeah but it's not ours. <laughs> no, yeah, not yeah. Yours. So right. I feel like you know my name kind of sums up in a lot mm. of ways the comp- kind of the interesting intersection of my like where my family came all the journeys that they traveled mm. you know it wasn't a straight line necessarily from China mm. to the US for my, for my grandpa maybe it was but on my mom's side it wasn't mm-hmm. and so kind of I feel like my name very much represents the international background yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. because when you talk about your, your history I'm yeah. trying to paint a family tree in my mind yeah. Yeah. yeah I think later I'm going to draw a family tree for you and then we can put it on the, on the website yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. when you grow up, so you know, you mentioned that your grandpa never talked about China that that side of the story with you, but um, were you did you get any influence from like Chinese culture or well, definitely French culture apparently? But you know, what kind of cultural environment you were in? Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I guess it was as a lot of children of immigrants or immigrant grandparents, like grandchildren of immigrant grandparents, uh, like feel you kind of, I mean, for me, it was a little embarrassing. I felt like at first when I was very young, I didn't understand like why it was important to celebrate my Chinese side. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing. Like I did, For example, I just didn't want my babysitter who also spoke Chinese. She was actually Chinese Vietnamese. 
Wow. Another story. But anyway, so she, <laughs> she would come pick me up from school and high school, but I didn't want her to speak Cantonese to me, so I told her to park down the street because I was kind of feeling embarrassed or ashamed mm. that I had, that I didn't want the other kids to know that I didn't fit in or that I right. was very much, like I still had a Chinese side, you know? Right. And so I think I kind of suppressed that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we actually our family, and I don't talk about it with a lot of people, which is why a lot of people don't even know that I can understand or speak Cantonese because they're like, oh. wow, you seem very quote unquote white, um, which is an issue right I think race is very complicated in the U.S. but mm. for me like I for our family like we still have lots of Chinese customs um, mm. like for Chinese New Year we'd still do things like get together with the whole family and we'd mm. like we had our own ways of doing it yeah we still had red envelopes and we'd had to have to go to my grandparents and like you know right. yeah like do the whole gesture ritual and, like get, get the home bow from them and then we'd all eat together sometimes we would eat dumplings not all the time and we'd have Nian gao? Is that what it is? Nian gao. The rice. My mom would fry it with egg kind of thing. With what egg? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We would just fry it and then dip into the sugar, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's egg. Sounds like a French toast. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yummy. I don't think it's good for you at all. Yeah. We would have a... Our family has other things. Like, we do red egg parties. For like when kids yeah mm. reach a certain age, I don't know what it is. Is it a month or is it traditionally one month for the red egg party? I forgot. But when a newborn reaches a certain age, you have a red egg party for them. So we would have that for them in the U.S. and then red egg red egg party. party? No, 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 maybe it's a southern. I don't know. Yeah, if it's maybe a probably southern, southern culture. So between what age? I think like if they made it past like in the olden days, if they made it past a month or something. Oh yeah. Is it a month or three months? I forgot. I think it's probably hundred days. Yeah, hundred right? days. Oh, yeah. Okay, three days. months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, 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 then, yeah. Then, then they're proclaimed healthy enough to survive. So. Right. We have yes. that in um, northern part of China, but we call like bai ru. Or bai sui. Or bai sui. Bai sui was like hundred years. Bai yeah, year yeah. is like oh really oh okay. yeah. Uh, anyway, They're probably maybe, different different yeah um, different area have different name in Cantonese called guo bai sui. Oh right. Okay. So you know it means this baby will live a, a hundred years. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's probably um has some scientific proof. And then they do actually hand out like red eggs, hong dan. I don't know why, but they paint the eggs into red and mm-hmm. then hand it out to people, right? For some reason. Is it? I feel like you didn't know anything about our culture. (laughs) But, you know, China's really big. It's the size of Europe. So we come from north and in south. I like your excuse. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I work in PR, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think that my mom, and I I think I owe a lot to my mom um, for, like, wanting her kids to have some appreciation of, like, Cantonese culture because she I remember when she went to Hong Kong when I was young she brought back a suitcase full of workbooks <laughs> workbooks what? yeah like books. basically to learn how to write in, uh, in Chinese oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> they were like you know because we were young at the time so it was like picture books with like uh, traditional ca- Chinese characters and also workbooks oh, so you I could see. like write in right. so then basically when we were young we had had Chinese lessons at home we didn't go to Chinese school which a lot of other kids go to right. in the US right. but we had 
Chinese lessons at home, and our babies, my babysitter taught me, taught us. Um, and so I learned Chinese first with traditional Chinese in Cantonese. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I did it the hard way. I had to write, like, in those blocks, you know, in the oh, squares. Oh, yes, like, with the square meets how, the goo, and then you have yeah, to write it. However many hundred times or something to oh, memorize wow. it or something. So that you can speak Cantonese and also write Chinese characters. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is I kind of lost it, like, a little bit over the years. Because right. then, yeah, you know, it wasn't something that I you felt practiced. was too yeah, important to practice at that time. Um, but then later on, something became something I kind of picked up mm. again later. But okay. yeah, for a long time, yeah, it just kind of faded away. But then the, founda- the foundation was always oh. there. Like right. the very basic foundation was there. So. so the different stage of your life when you're going through that, you were at the embarrassing period when you were young. Mm-hmm. And when did you start to become interested in your own region uh, again and what triggered that? I think it probably must, it, it took a long time actually, which is kind of sad because even in college I didn't want to join like the Chinese American club or the Chinese clubs or well, anything like that. that? <clears throat> why did you want to join this, well you embrace this part, part of the culture? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think, I think that embarrassment comes from me wanting to feel accepted mm. and I maybe didn't quite accept that part of myself yet and I wanted to be accepted into like mainstream American culture so I I mean that's very broad too but yeah it just felt like my Chinese heritage was something that was holding me back Mm. from being accepted into that and which is like an unfortunate way to think about it at that time so I didn't want to hang out with like only Chinese friends I didn't want to hang out with only Chinese American friends I wanted Mm. also to embrace like what America had to offer Mm -hmm. and I felt like American American being American to me um involves like a bit of the of the immigrant experience but also like how blended like at least where I grew up how blended like cultures were Mm. um so yeah I think that I guess I, I felt like I got a sense from my family that they thought that China was backwards. So that's mm. why maybe mm, they didn't really okay. talk about it. They didn't think that it was very, like, you know, I don't want to say high class, but it just wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like what America, what they thought of America, which mm-hmm. was like everything good and like you can get a good education and all this stuff. Yeah. And they just felt like, oh, we came from a hard time, like mm. running away during war isn't exactly Mm-mm-mm-mm. a good Something thing to that remember. you wanted to tell everyone about, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, well, when was yeah. that when you were in college? It was, I graduated in 2010, so mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. late 2000s. Yeah, Interesting, in because, yeah in, yeah, in 2000, I could actually, from 2000 to 2010, that, that was a period that, that China, China became, yeah, yeah, rising up, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it has the 2008 mm-hmm. Olympics, yeah. and there's so much attention on this country. Yeah. But at the same time, you mentioned that you, your family still think China is a little bit backward, you know, yeah. everything is, you know, rosy in the U.S. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting to, I to hear it, that. I think maybe around that time, mm. it became, you know, I started <clears throat> or after that time, I started to see China differently mm-hmm. because China's history was of uh, development suddenly like mm-hmm. was really exploding and like and also it was d- during the dot com boom, the the rising of the internet, mm-hmm. where the information travels more freely and then more information that from China would travel to the other part of the world and people know actually how fast the China is, is mm-hmm. picking up. But I think before that people live quite siloed and, you know, separate lives, even though that China, to a lot of people, is already developing really fast. Um, but because of the, the in, there's no internet at the time, then people in, living on the other side of the world probably couldn't see it. 
Mm. Yeah. But yeah. it's yeah, but I think it's 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 quite interesting and I think as probably, you know, growing up as a teenager, the last thing you would want is to be different, right? So right. you just it has a lot to do with teenage angst. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I think it's just, you know, like you just want to be invisible. Yeah, then what what happened? How yeah, what triggered the, the change? Mm. I think it helped a lot that I yeah, I started to, I wanted to be a foreign correspondent. And then I realized, mm. oh no, I should have <laughs> kept up my Chinese all these years. It's very handy and So I think, I think it really didn't, I mean, I had like ideas in my head, but then I d- really didn't take it seriously until I mm. moved to Hong Kong um, about four years ago for the job, for the job of the Wall Street Journal. And yeah, at that time I was still kind of like, unsure, feeling insecure about the Chinese side of myself. And also that I feel like the Chinese, like the Chinese that, or the Chinese culture that my family knew is, is kind of like very Southern culture and very mm-hmm. Hong Kong. I mean, mm. I felt like, oh, that, I feel like that's very different than like other parts of China. And I just didn't identify with like, I don't know, whatever mainstream Chinese culture is. Mm. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't know who the pop stars were or anything. Like, mm. I didn't listen to Chinese music or anything. But yeah, we still had like, we ate Cantonese, I ate Cantonese food like almost mm. every day growing up. Uh, had dim sum on the weekends and like, nice. still, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so when I went to Hong Kong, it became a door, like kind of a door back into Chinese culture, mm. at least Cantonese culture. And so then I was surrounded by, you know, traditional Chinese characters again. And then this kind of like made me think like, okay, maybe I should really start to think like, what mm. does this mean to me? And is because I, I <clears throat> found like, I think it is important to me. Like mm. when I went to Hong Kong and I was like, this is where my mom is from. This is where a lot of my family had spent a lot of time. I still have relatives there in Hong Kong. Oh, I see. And so that just started made me thinking about, so it made me think about, yeah, maybe I want to look into my family history, brush up on Cantonese <laughs> and learn Mandarin. <laughs> 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 Which actually like kind of started Mandarin in like teenage years, but then also just dropped off. Just I wanted to learn other languages and then, mm, yeah, didn't right. come back around in Chinese until, yeah, quite a few years ago. Right. Yeah. Then you moved to Beijing. Then I was very different. Yeah. It's just like not Cantonese at all. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But that's what I find interesting about China. There's so many, Mm. actually, every province, even every district, like has their own, you know, little, their own unique culture. Mm So I think that Chinese culture is not homogenous at all. It's very different. Mm. And that's, that's actually quite cool. And I wish more people knew that in the U.S. knew that about Chinese culture because mm. maybe what they encounter as Chinese American is from Guangdong, you know, since a lot of immigrants mm. came from there. But actually, they don't know like all these other provinces in China. And so, yeah, I think that's part of the fun of when I'm here, like while I'm living here in China, is to kind of like yeah, explore all the other different cult- Chinese cultures mm. that are here. Well, well, was there cool. was there like a, a cultural shock when you got to Beijing? To Beijing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the biggest difference or the part that you feel so different? I didn't know how to cross a street. Because <laughs> I had arrived, like, from Hong Kong <laughs> straight into Beijing. So then it wasn't, it wasn't, like, tall, skinny skyscrapers and, like, very orderly, you know, mm. s- sidewalks. And it was, like, ca- kind of chaotic, like, on the streets. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, you know, I'm not long- I mean, I'm no longer in Kansas. I'm, like, in a totally different land. And that's how I felt. And then the other language as well, you know, mm-hmm. sort of so different and no, but I found it, found it really cool. I just didn't, it was just like, I was suddenly confronted with it and 
it's not like Hong Kong where you can't get away with speaking English at least mm-hmm. if you don't know Cantonese. So yeah, in Beijing it was like, no, this is definitely like you have to be <laughs> Mandarin <laughs> and you have to like, yeah, start finding your way around. And it's just, to me, it felt chaotic at first. But then once I understood the order to the chaos, it just became a lot yeah, more fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you tell your grandpa's your experience in China? Yeah, I told my grandpa I live in Beijing. He thinks it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, <laughs> he thinks it's pretty cool that like Something one that of, he 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 yeah he, he didn't never see yeah he never, never would expected yeah he was like yeah, he's pretty amazed that one of his I'm the only grandchild of his that came back to China. <laughs> so I think he was quite um yeah quite surprised and he then he would say wow you're in Beijing oh I remember you should go to Kunming Kunming is like where he went to high school there so, yeah Kunming in his memory yeah in his memory it's <laughs> a so different Kunming now but he loved it did you talk to him about your trip in uh, South and um, exactly what happened oh yeah you found anything more interesting about him during your trip not about him, but about the home. It's about the property itself, and it kind of seeing it in, a, in the context of how China had changed. Mm. Um, because that home that's still there, when I when I finally found it, um, yeah, it's amazing that's still there. So it's like, I don't know how old it is exactly, but if mm-hmm. he was there while he was young, and he's like in his late eighties, then it must be nearly a hundred years old, Jeez. right? So wow. <laughs> um, so to me, it seems like kind of a time uh, to me that home represents like history from a long time right. ago that like kind of a snapshot of Three a different generations. time yeah. it's like old china old you know kind of pre-communist china and it's, it's just i thought that was so interesting kind of like in, in my head okay in my head before i went there i had kind of a romantic idea of this <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your romantic idea oh, yeah. just like oh this cute little like cottage home maybe in the countryside of china uh. that's super far away and who knows if I'll ever find it. And I thought it was going to be this like great big journey. And it kind of, and so, and the fact that it took a long time, I mean, to, there were many steps I had to take to get there. Mm-hmm. In that sense, it was kind of a long journey. But then when I got there, I don't know, I think I think I felt a sense of like, oh, this is mine <laughs> kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just made me feel like, I don't know if a sense of belonging is necessarily the right word, mm-hmm. but it, it kind of provoked the question of, like, can I inherit this property? And mm. is it actually mine uh, mm. or ours, like our family? So then right. I've been now the next step of my project is to try and, like, learn more about, you know, whether other foreigners or Chinese Americans, overseas Chinese, mm. have come back to, like, try and find the original home. Mm. I, I actually, on one of the trips back to the U.S. a couple of years ago, I'd had, I had asked my grandpa <laughs> to find the deed to the property. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had to do that step first to really see, like, we actually, there's a name, like, on that property uh, over Chinese New Year. The talk of the town was <laughs> the new high-speed rail. So there was a little mini traffic jam because everyone had got out, parked their car, got out of their car, and walked up to the high-speed rail. And wow. so there are tons, like dozens and dozens, like maybe two, I want to say like 100 to 200 people were standing on the rails, like right. taking selfies. And they're like, <laughs> wow, I can't believe this high-speed rail is going to come through Kaiping right. and come through Taishan. Tai so it will connect to Shenzhen. Or it already is connected, but they haven't started the train yet. I think that would definitely pick up the volume yeah. of the travel and and everything, and also probably the economy of the, of the village because it's so convenient to connect to other cities. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, and when I saw the home, I kind of thought, oh, Airbnb potential. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a very you know good business sense, huh? Yeah, that would be fascinating. You know, good advertisement. <laughs> Do you want to live in a house? It's a hundred years old. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then sort of renovated into a very modern way. And yeah, like my yeah. idea is to like keep the facade but mm. fix the inside. Yeah, and I think it needs plumbing and it needs electricity. <laughs> 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 You're thinking about the details. No. I wonder that you're covering real estate, right? You have it all figured it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, is it important that I try or some, that I try or someone in my family tries to inherit it? Because I have second cousins in the U.S. or mm. relatives in the U.S. who are also interested to learn about that property. So I was going to talk about them at some point with them um, mm-hmm. about it at some point. Is it important for us to like try and reclaim it? I don't know mm-hmm. if it is. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe demolished in a couple in like. Who knows? It may or may not be demolished. So I don't know. Maybe it's not worth it to like, you know, mm-hmm. go try and claim mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. But also, yeah. What's the? I don't know. I was thinking about the importance of inheritance and passing down like property or wealth or your possessions to the next generation. And my mm-hmm. fam, my grandpa never thought about that. Not had never talked about that with us. And my sense is that my family, no one in the family wants that home. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But why is it important for you to want to inherit it and then pass it down? I feel like it would really like have a concrete connection then mm. to right. China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That we really did come from here, and you know, could That's be kind that of, was your home. Yeah, kind of could, could mm. be like a little anchor maybe for like future generations, and yeah. they could come back and like see that part of China. And I guess it makes China feel more real to mm-hmm. me instead yeah. of like just. You know, kind of something that had faded away um, mm. for my grandparents' generation. Yeah. yeah, something that they wanted to leave behind and just wanted to have. Yeah, all the opportunities in the U.S. Um, yeah. So for me, coming back and seeing it made it feel a lot more real, and it made me made me feel a lot more real Chinese, if that mm. makes mm. any sense. Because course, yeah. I feel like I don't know. Part of me isn't that real. I mean, <laughs> sometimes like because. Or other people perceive me as not being very real Chinese because、mm-hmm. I grew up in the U.S.、Yeah. So being American, can I still be Chinese in a way?、Yeah. And I guess that's based on your in- every person. For、yeah. me, I feel like I can be both, and I can be even more than that. Like you know, other cultures too. So I think, yeah, I think I'm still learning on how to like, yeah,、right. understand that and just accept that.、Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think you should write a book about it. I mean, because our time is so limited, we only went through a little bit part of your grandpa's experience. I'm sure on your mom's side, there's a plenty of stories. Yeah, yeah, you really should write a book about it. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Probably every Chinese family has a pretty fascinating yeah. story. Yeah, <laughs> and I think not every family would go through such a Turmoil and also diverse experience. Yeah, you know, multicultural. Multicultural、right? from different countries. I mean,、e- even if you know every single family <laughs> Chinese family has a story, but you know, I like we discussed just now. We don't see many books writing、mm. about it. Really?、Right? Yeah. yeah, we're talking about the the Chinese diaspora was not as much represented as other cultures or ethnicities in the U.S. Right? So we've seen lots of like Italian diaspora stories, and you know, in the U.S. or Irish diasporas, but Chinese that there was not much 
representation in the mainstream media. Through your story, I find it quite fascinating about how the Chinese community was like, you know, in the U.S. or you know, Yajun was talking about in the in the in France, and then you know, it'd be really interesting to see how the Chinese de- community developed throughout the times, mm-hmm. and then where they were, and where they are now, and where they're heading to. And I think that would be quite fascinating to learn about. Yeah, I think it's always the last, the, the, the relatively older generation talking about people coming in uh, to the U.S., like your grandpa's generation. There's like, mo- we discussed like movies, book about that generation. And I think the latest one I saw is uh, there's a book for the Nothing I Never Told You. Well, everything I never, told uh, never you. everything that I never <laughs> yeah. told. Oh yeah, you. I read that book. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really, really beautiful, and that talk, talks about a, a lot about like you know Chinese, uh, Chinese American were actually that guy is the first generation, right? The, the main character, and then his his children went through as um, the children coming from both Chinese and American background, and the the, the struggle they had in the nineteen sixties. I think. Um, that's the latest work I saw about Chinese community, Chinese background yeah, in, in the, the U.S. World. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I would love to see more, to be honest, you know, to have more book about um, the, the older generation, how they made it. And then the second generation, your parents' generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they must have went through a lot of different struggles, difficulties, opportunities in yeah. the U.S., which is very different from your generation. So we're talking about, you know, the, the huge cultural history difference, you know, mm-hmm. across three different generations. Yeah. That would be fascinating. Yeah. See, that's a really good book idea. Yeah. <laughs> you just laid out that. <laughs> book. Yep. book pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think the American dream that my grandpa had or my idea of what his American dream was is so different than mine now Mm. and that to me is also interesting because his was moving from China to a better you know to have better opportunities Mm. in the U.S. and one thing he said he always regretted was that he wasn't able to go to college but actually all of his children and his grandchildren have gone to college Mm. so in a sense he achieved the American dream like through his children and even though he lived kind of a poor he had a pretty. He was not poor in, that poor in China, but he was poor in the U.S. because mm. he was working in restaurants, working long hours, mm. late into the night, and all this stuff. And he couldn't really be there for my father. But then, you know, my father uh, studied engineering, became a computer engineer, and grew oh, up. Wow. In, I mean, studied in the Bay Area when like the computer industry took off. And so, right. I don't know. I just felt like. That journey too is really interesting. Like from poor immigrant, I know that to, juxtaposition. Yeah, of engineer, and then now I'm becoming a writer, a writer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, I think I don't know if it's as easy to mobile to rise up in society mm. as before, you know, in, in the U.S. But mm. yeah, we'll see. I think, yeah, I still feel kind of optimistic about the U.S. But mm. yeah, I think now having come to China, I feel actually that my future will not just involve the U.S., but also involve mm, right. China in some way. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so <laughs> Thank much you for so sharing much. your yeah, story. You. Yeah, so. looking forward to your book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Great. Do you want people to follow you uh, on Twitter or, you know? It actually, it'd be great right. to follow on Twitter. Right. It's just my name, at Dominique Fong. Yeah, yeah on Fong. Twitter. That's my okay. Twitter handle. Okay. okay, awesome. Do people know about the French spelling way of Dominique? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to spell it out, or is it 
Very is the common way. The common way. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Woman. If you have any feedback, write to us at Woman Podcast W O M E N Podcast at Outlook dot com. Oh, 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 oh,